0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. This morning, I have the uh, the privilege and the pleasure of continuing our I Am series. We're up to week number five. And uh, may I remind you, all of our messages are available for free download on our website or via iTunes. And uh, if you've missed any of the previous four messages, I encourage you to get that. But today, our fifth installment of the I Am series, we're going to look at Jesus, I am the light of the world. Now we've said all the way through this series, when you know who Jesus is you'll know who he's calling you to be. And we find in John 8 and verse 12, it says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And this is a theme that repeats itself throughout the Bible. It's echoed again in John 9, verse 5, and it's in more detail in John 1, verses 1 to 5. And so in John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of of all mankind the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it let me give you a little bit of context here when jesus said i am the light of the world that is some 2000 years ago so there were no leds there it wasn't any of this no projectors no Compact fluoros, no incandescent bulbs, no nothing. When Jesus said, I am the light of the world, there was one source of light, fire. There was the light that comes from the sun, which we know is caused by fire. There was candles. There was torches, you know, the ones burning on the end of a stick. There were lamps. There were lanterns. But essentially... When Jesus said, I am the light of the world, we're talking about fire. And so to really understand what Jesus meant when he said, I am the light of the world, let's look at some of the things that light does. So the first thing this morning, light captivates. I don't know about you, I love camping. I love getting bush. I love getting remote. It's, for me, God speaks to me when I go camping. For those of you, look, I realise that camping's a polarising thing. You love it or you hate it. You don't get in the middle. And so for those of you who hate it, that's okay. You're allowed to be wrong. It's okay. But personally, I love it. I love going bush getting away from the artificial light. Because when I get there and I sit in my deck chair and I look up and I see the moon and the stars and the the whole infinite array that is the heavens, God speaks to me because it captivates me. It captivates my attention. And you can't go out there and sit in your deck chair and look up without having a campfire. And again, I could spend hours looking into a campfire. The red coals at the bottom glowing brightly. The flames, the blue, the yellows licking around the wood. As it burns, the wood shifts and you get sparks fly up. More coals. There's something about light that captivates us. There's something about light that grabs our attention. And when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, Jesus was saying, I captivate. And if you look at the stories in the Bible, you can see that that's actually true. Children ran to Jesus. Crowds followed Jesus. And yet at the same time, as this crowd comes, Jesus would care for individuals within the crowd. People were drawn to Jesus. People were captivated by Jesus. It was never dull around Jesus, the miracles, the conflicts. There was something always going on. In fact, in John 8, when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, right before that is a scripture where the Pharisees and the teachers of the law bring this woman who was caught in the act of adultery to Jesus, trying to set him up, trying to go, okay, how are you going to deal with this one, Jesus? The story says that the setup didn't work. The story says that the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law left oldest to youngest, probably really annoyed, but still captivated by his wisdom. You may not have, they may not have liked what they heard, but they couldn't deny what he said. They couldn't deny who he was. Because he captivated everyone, both those who were enemies and those who were friends. And imagine the woman. Imagine how captivated she would have been of Jesus. Jesus literally just saved her life. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, wanted to stone her. They wanted to kill her. That was the setup. And yet they all left, and there's this woman left with Jesus. Absolutely captivated by him. Absolutely in awe of what he just did for her. Affirming her, but not her sin. Jesus captivated. Here's the question. Just because Jesus is captivating doesn't mean that we are captivated for us to be captivated we need to consider Jesus we need to look at Jesus we need to allow ourselves time in his presence allow ourselves time looking at him focusing on him and so I guess the question then comes when was the last time we just sat in his presence Allowing him to captivate us. Allowing his mercy, his love just to wash over us and flow over us. Church, can I encourage you today? Allow Jesus to captivate you again. Jesus is captivating. Allow yourself to be captivated by his presence. Secondly... Light reveals. When you came into this auditorium today, you found your seats quite easily, partly because of our hosting team. How about we uh, thank our hosting team for helping us? As you came in this morning, you found your seats quite easily, also because the lights were on. Because the lights revealed where those seats were. Now, just when the lights go off doesn't mean the seats all move, all right? The light just reveals what's already there. And so as you walked into this auditorium, you were able to see seats. You were able to see if someone else had saved a seat. You were able to manoeuvre around the auditorium. You were able to say good day to people because the light reveals what's already here. Throughout history, humanity has always asked the questions, why are we here? What's the purpose? Is there, is there more to life than this? Is there a God? If there is a God, how do you get to know them? Do they know me? In John fourteen nine, Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus came to earth to reveal God the Father to us. And the great thing about it, the really good news about it, is that Jesus revealed a God who is loving, who is merciful, who's full of compassion, who wants to be intimately involved in our lives, a God who loves us, a God who is a friend of sinners, someone who wants the best for us. He's not an angry God. He's not the bully with the magnifying glass. He's a God who wants to be intimately involved in our lives. He's not angry. He's not vindictive. He's not distant. He's not aloof. He knows you. He knows what you're facing right now. He knows your struggles. He knows your fears. He knows the turmoil that's in your life and then says, you know what? I'm God Emmanuel. I'm God with us. We don't need to be timid when we come to this God. Jesus revealed the Father with open arms for us. A God who longingly, lovingly wants to embrace us. A God who reveals himself as Abba Father, Daddy. Come pop up. In my lap and rest in my arms. So light reveals. However, when we see Jesus, when we see God the Father illuminated before us, we see Him as loving, we see Him as caring, we see Him as glorious, and then we look down. And we realize, you know what? God is love. But I'm not that loving. The same light that reveals God reveals us. We look up, we see God and he's caring and he's merciful. And then we look at ourselves and we go, "Hmm, not so caring. Not so merciful. It's the same light. It's the same light. Because light reveals it doesn't choose what it reveals. it just reveals. It just shows what's there. The problem is is that when we look down and we see ourselves, and we see that we're not quite as good as that, it's confronting. We don't like it. Our natural reaction is to get out of there, to run. Because we don't want to see that. Which then begs the question, if it's confronting, if we feel exposed, why does God do that anyway? Why does Jesus point that out to us? In Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Why does God reveal it? Because that thing, that hatred in me, that fear in me, that pride in me, that envy in me, that carries a death sentence. And so it needs to be revealed so that it can be dealt with. You see... Sin is to the soul what cancer is to the body. If you have cancer and you don't know about it, it's not going to go well for you. But when cancer is diagnosed, a treatment plan can be put in place. And when there's a treatment plan in place, there's hope for the future as it's dealt with. Sin is to our soul what cancer is to our body. When that hatred in me is shown, when that fear, that envy in me is shown, it's God saying, you know what? That thing, I can heal that. When you stand in the light of Jesus and you see his glory and his majesty, what's revealed in us is for our good. What's revealed in us is for our growth. What's revealed in us is to lift that death penalty from us. And so we need to allow ourselves to stand in the light. Because Jesus is magnificent. God is amazing. And just because we're not quite as good or we're not quite as amazing doesn't mean that we shouldn't stand in the light. It just means that God is revealing something in us that he wants to deal with. When we stand in that light, if we choose only to see God, if we choose only to see His goodness, His mercy, His love, His care and compassion, if we choose only to see that, it leads or it can lead to licentiousness. That means that if we only see God as kind and caring and compassionate and loving, we treat Him like Father Christmas. And we go and do whatever we want and we come back from time to time and ask for another present, another package of grace and forgiveness and mercy. But Jesus isn't calling us to live like that. If we stand in that light and we only see ourselves, it leads to hopelessness. We only see that we don't line up. It leads to hopelessness. It leads to legalism. I need to strive harder. I need to do more. I need to study more. I need to try to be more loving. Or try harder to be more caring. And we try and squeeze something that isn't meant to be squeezed. We need to stand in the light. And we need to let the light reveal God the Father. The loving Caring, glorious nature of our King along with us so that He can heal and that He can deal with what's in us. So, light captivates, light reveals, and light guides. Light's always been used to guide. If you go back to the Old Testament, the Israelites were wandering around in the desert, they had a pillar of fire before them to guide them. But even in a modern day context, we use light all the time to guide us. We use lighthouses for ships, we use runway lights for planes. We use street lights for cars. Can I just ask you, just remember back, just a month and a half. Just a month and a half. You know where I'm going. All of South Australia was blacked out. Never before have we seen so much need for light. I heard of people burning mozzie candles inside because that's what they had at the time. Did any of you drive during that time? That was interesting. It took me three times as long to get home. Now, for me, I had to travel straight up Main North Road and all of those lights in an 80K zone. I think I prayed more than I have in a long, long time. And you know know what it's like. You're at the lights. And the cars are going, and that's fine. And you sneak forward, and you sneak forward, and you sneak forward, and you sneak forward. Please stop. Sneak forward, sneak forward. Okay, I'm going. With a prayer. Please, please let us get through this. Because light has always been used to guide. In Psalm 119, 105, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Can I just get all the lights down in here as much as I can? House lights off. There we go. So... Here, I have my lamp under my feet. You probably can't really see me all that well, although there is still a bit of light around. But I can see enough. I can see that right now, I'm on the edge. <laughs> all right? Because I've got a lamp under my feet. I can come back here, and I can see the drum kit. I can avoid that. That's fine. I can come over here. I can avoid the keyboard. That's not a problem, because I've got a lamp under my feet. In fact, I can wander nearly anywhere I want with this lamp unto my feet. The problem is, is that a lamp under your feet isn't enough. See, I can wander all over, but I'm doing exactly that. I'm wandering. Am I making you nervous as I get closer to the edge? This helps me to navigate because I can see my immediate vicinity. If I can have the lights back up again, that'd be great. The lamp under my feet helps me not stumble. It means that I can move around and not trip over things. The problem is, is that I've got no destination. I need a light on the horizon. I need the light to my path so that I can have a point that I'm aiming at. If I've got a point that I'm aiming at without the lamp to my feet, I trip over everything that's in my path. If I have the lamp to my feet without the light unto my path, I don't get to a destination. I need both. But by nature, we're control freaks. With a light unto my path, I have a destination point. With a lamp unto my feet, I can see my next step. But that's all I can see. I can't see every step along the way. But the reality is, is that I don't need to. The lamp unto my feet reveals my next step. And provided I keep taking my next step towards the light on my path, I will reach my destination. The good news, church. The good news. Our destination has been set. The Bible says that the goal of our faith is Jesus Christ himself. That's the point on the horizon that we're aiming at. And so all we need to do is make sure that we're continuing to take that next step towards the goal of our faith. You don't need to know every step along the path. You don't want to know every step along the path. You just need that destination point and you need your next step. So, light captivates, light reveals... Light guides, and fourthly, light transforms. I mentioned before about the weather is just crazy at the moment. Like, we've, we've barely struggled into spring at best. But I can tell you one thing that knows it's spring. The weeds in my backyard <laughs> know it's spring. The flowers are starting to push through. My dog knows it's spring. He's up and active and out there. And, and let's face it, you know what? Your bodies know that it's spring too. You know it's not right at the moment. It's a bit weird, but you know that it's spring. And we know that because light transforms. The very first words that we have recorded in the Bible of God speaking. Let there be Light. Why? Why let there be light? Why was light the first thing that God created? Because light is needed for life. Why? Because light contains power, light has power. The plant life needs the light to photosynthesize and make the nutrients that it needs. The light is needed for life. Without the light, we wouldn't have the plants. Without the plants, everything else goes downhill real fast. Just like light was the start of the creation process, Jesus... Light of the world is the start of our re-creation process. Religion over years, centuries have tried to inject life into spirituality. But all you end up with is rules and regulations. Because Jesus himself needs to inject the life into the re-creation process. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Bible says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. We need to allow Jesus, light of the world, to inject life into our spirituality. The last thing that light does as it transforms is that light brings colour. You've seen the rainbow in the sky. The rainbow can only appear in the sky is because all those colours are already in the light. And the mist and the rain just separates the colours out. Or you may have been at school and seen, done that experiment where you shine a light through a prism and the light... Spectrum appears. It's because the colour is already there. The colors already hidden in the light. And when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, he's saying, I want to bring colour to your life. I want you to have the best life possible. Won't you allow the light to shine? Not just to reveal the darkness and make it better. But won't you let the light shine on the good and help it to become the best? See, for me, by nature, I'm an introvert. I'm happy to sit at home. I'm happy with a book and my family, and that's great. To be honest with you, public speaking in the natural is not really my thing. But allow the light of God to move from good to best. Allow the light to come on in. Allow Jesus to bring the colour. Just as natural light captivates, reveals, guides and transforms our natural world, Jesus does the same in our spiritual world. Just as in our natural world, We can choose to keep the lights off, the blinds drawn, and our eyes shut. We can do the same in our spiritual world. Church, can I encourage you today? We're going to spend a few moments in worship right now. Throw the blinds open on your spiritual life. Open your eyes. Turn the lights on. Allow Jesus the light of the world, to come and captivate us once again. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.